In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13-year-old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020. It's our future. The heart of the Clinical Excellence Showcase event is highlighting excellence and supporting the scale and spread of these models. In theory, it's a very simple process, but in practice, a large amount of work is required behind the scenes to make a model that works in, say, a private facility be able to work in a public setting. The annual Where Are They Now sessions celebrate these successes bringing back the models that have grown or spread since their last appearance at the event. The Metro North Hospital and Health Service ACA project team have undergone multiple names and changes over the years, but the one constant is their dedication to value-based care and translating research into clinical practice. Thank you very much. Tanya and I today are going to speak about the Accelerated Chest Pain Risk Evaluation Project and hold on to your hats because it's acronym central, so I apologise for that. We are sponsored by Health Improvement Unit of Clinical Excellence Queensland and kindly we're hosted by Metro North Hospital and Health Service, more specifically COSI. At this point in time, I'd like to say that Tanya and I are speaking today on behalf of Louise Cullen. For those of you who don't know Louise, she's an emergency physician in the Royal Brisbane Hospital and she's very much been the driver of the ACRE project over the years, along with cardiologists Will Parsonage and Louise McCormack. So what is ACRE? Essentially, apart from a an acronym, ACA is a clinical redesign project, but more specifically, it's about translating research into practice and continuing on that quality improvement cycle where best practice informs research and, and redesign and making sure that patients presenting to Queensland Health emergency departments with suspected ACS or, or chest pain more commonly are receiving evidence-based, safe, patient-focused and efficient care. So why chest pain or suspected ACS? Well, this issue is an enormous burden to emergency departments. Chest pain is the second most common adult presentation to EDs after abdominal pain. And globally, we know that they ma it makes up around 6 to 10% of all emergency department presentations. And Queensland's no different to anywhere else in that our ED presentations are increasing year on year. But if we take the 2018-19 figures from the AIHW, 6% of that is approaching 100,000 patients a year and at an average cost of $3,500 a patient, that's a lot of money. But more importantly, that's a lot of clinician hours, a lot of patient time in hospital and a lot of resources being spent on these patients. And I would argue that these patients are a genuine burden on the emergency department. So we do want patients who think they're having a heart attack 
to come to hospital. So we don't want to discourage them from coming, but given that there's a very small proportion of them who actually are diagnosed with disease, are there ways that we can assess them more efficiently and more appropriately to ensure that resources are utilised efficiently? And that's where accelerated diagnostic protocols come in. Clinicians in the audience, I uh, will apologise in advance for the dramatically oversimplified explanation of how chest pain is assessed. In general, just to set the scene for what ACRE is all about, following preliminary testing and, and uh, clinical features, patients are usually categorised into three risk stratification categories. Now, the high-risk patients make up about 25 to 30% of this cohort, and one in four of them will have disease. So they do need to be admitted and they need to be treated under the appropriate team, whether it be cardiology or, or medicine. But it's the low and the intermediate risk patients that we can focus on. So typically they undergo serial testing of troponin, which is a, a blood biomarker, and ECGs. And guidelines have recommended that this occur over a six to eight hour time frame. And this is where the accelerated diagnostic protocols come in because there is opportunity, given the very low risk of incidence of disease in this, this cohort, to try and do this safely and, and more efficiently. Now, following the serial testing, if everything is normal, these patients have the pleasure of usually performing an exercise stress test or something equally enjoyable. And if that's normal, then they can go home. So the ADAPT Accelerated Diagnostic Protocol was one of the earlier chest pain ADPs to come out and, and it really inspired the inception of the ACRE project. So what ADAPT did, there was a team of researchers, of which Louise Cullen was one of them, based in Brisbane and Christchurch, and they used alternate risk stratification to identify a cohort of about 20% of presentations who could be accelerated. And they could actually, instead of undergoing the six to eight hour serial testing, have this done in two hours and then be discharged home to come back for an objective test as an outpatient. On the back of a single site pilot trial back in 2012-13, which was done in Nambour, the ACRE project was funded under the Health Innovation Fund. And on very much an opt-in basis, we rolled this out across the state and it was implemented in 19 Queensland health hospitals. We published our outcomes in 2017 and we managed to get pretty similar proportions of patients who could be accelerated, around 20% as, as the research. Now, of all the suspected ACS presentations, not those, just those were, that were accelerated, the data showed a mean hospital length of stay reduction of 10.4 hours in this group and a reduction of 13.4% in the admission rate. And that equated, working with some health economists, to a financial release capacity of 13.5 million over about the 26 months that we were collecting the data. But I'm sure that all the clinicians, particularly in the room, would realise that other than that monetary figure, it's the, the release capacity that's the important thing. And probably even more important than that, it's the, the patient flow and the better patient experience and fewer hours sitting in a hospital bed waiting for test results. And we were pretty stoked because that publication was selected in the MJA editor's top pick of 2017 for the top 10 articles. And while we were rolling this out, there was more research going on. So going back to that sort of continual improvement, and that ties in with what ACRE is all about, in the sense that it's about implementing the latest available evidence for use in practice. So there was more research going on, and I'll hand over to Tanya now to talk about the subsequent things that went on. Sarah seemed very cool, calm and collected. I'm a little bit more nervous, so <laughs> I apologise in advance. So while, as Sarah mentioned, she's talked about ADAPT, and while it was great being able to accelerate 20% of these patients, 
They always, the group at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital always knew that there was a bigger group of patients that they could accelerate through the emergency department. So while we were going around Queensland implementing the ADAPT protocol, they were doing this further research at the Royal Brisbane Hospital to look at this bigger group of patients that could be accelerated. And this, in 2017, their research was published and that was the Improved Assessment of Chest Pain Trial and another acronym, uh, so IMPACT is what we called it. So the IMPACT Accelerated Diagnostic Protocol didn't touch those high-risk patients. Again, there's such a high risk of acute coronary syndrome, they needed to be admitted to hospital for further investigation and treatment. But it was looking at the bigger group of patients, which was 75% of the low and the intermediate and low-risk group made up 75% of these patients. And they could be managed on a two-hour serial troponin and ECG testing protocol. Now within this, the very low risk patients made up about 10 or 15%. And these patients who are all under 40 years of age, if their troponin and ECG were normal, they could very safely be discharged from hospital. So the impact during the impact trial, none of the patients identified as low risk went on to have an acute cardiac event. The remaining 60% of this big group were the intermediate risk patients and in the impact trial 2% of those did have an acute cardiac event so they did need further testing in the form of an objective test and the impact protocol suggested that these patients have an inpatient test. And if all this was normal, then these patients could also be discharged home and the clinician and the patient would be very confident that they would be at risk of having acute cardiac event. So while we were going about this, we got news that Queensland Pathology was also introducing a new troponin assay, and this was moving from a sensitive troponin assay to a highly sensitive assay. And this would allow all patient testing to be accelerated. There were some advantages and disadvantages of this. One of the main advantages, it was more sensitive, which was great, but then you were at risk of identifying more patients with an elevated troponin. So it's really important that clinicians were aware of this change and it would also impact on further protocols because they would need to be modified to incorporate this and, like I said, be able to accelerate more patients. So it was really all about clinical interpretation and there were some significant changes to this. The main ones were a different unit. So it went from a decimal point to whole numbers. There was also new reference ranges, which clinicians need to be, needed to be aware of, but also there was an introduction of sex-specific reference ranges. So there was different ones for males and females. And the other introduction was a Z-score, which just allowed clinicians to determine if the elevated troponin was significant or not. So this, like we said, tied in really nicely with what we were doing to try and accelerate these patients through the emergency department. And the ACRE project took on the campaign of educating and implementing this. And we did this through a multimodal campaign. Some of the things we used was an online education video which we had assistance from CEQ to produce and this was uploaded to our site on the Improvement Exchange and this allowed us to have a link that we could send out to pretty much everyone in the state and they could then get on and view this anytime, anywhere. We also helped develop local pathways, so incorporating this new troponin assay into local pathways. We conducted education sessions and through where we are in COSI, we had access to video conferencing, which was great. So this allowed us to be able to educate right across the state. We were able to educate right up to the Torres and Cape, right out west. 
We did uh, multiple sessions on different days and different times so that we could get as many clinicians as possible. We also distributed a lot of information through the HHSs and the clinical networks. And some of the ways we did this was through newsletter articles. We also helped distribute the Pathology Queensland Chemlight newsletter, which had the changes in it. We used a screensaver, which was then displayed on all computers across Queensland Health. We developed posters that could be displayed. And we also used things such as eAlert to distribute this information to everyone through the HHSs. So the overall outcomes of ACRE 2, we were able to decrease the total hospital length of stay by 20%, which was a reduction of almost two hours. And for, across Queensland Health, this equated to over 5,500 release bed days annually. And for the bigger hospitals, this worked out roughly about 250 release bed days per year. And we were also able to decrease the inpatient admissions. There was almost a 7% reduction in these. And across Queensland Health, again, this was over 5,000 fewer inpatient admissions per year. And for the bigger hospitals, roughly about or over 200 fewer admissions per year as well. Now, we didn't significantly decrease the ED length of stay, but we didn't really expect to because we were still advocating for these patients to have an inpatient test. But what was important about this is that when the patients were discharged, everything had been done and the clinicians and the patients knew that they were safe. I think one of the important things is that we actually didn't increase the ED length of stay because potentially keeping the patients in to do a stress test, this was a risk, but we, we didn't actually do that, so that was great. So just now some tips for successful implementation. So I think it's really important to identify the need and for us this was the burden of chest pain and at the time the introduction of the four hour NEAT targets. So this meant that the clinicians had to get these big group of patients, national guidelines recommending long testing, they needed to get them through the emergency department quicker. It's really important to have good evidence and good published evidence and with reputable clinical leads and the clinical leads that we were working with were world renowned um, for their work in this area but also being multidisciplinary. If we had done this with only emergency departments or only cardiology it wouldn't have worked and I think it was the two working together that really made it so successful. More locally, I think getting executive engagement early is really important. Um, not only do the executives need to know what's going on in their hospital, but if you get their support, they're able to help you all the way through the process. So if at any stage you've got any issues that arise, it's really good to be able to go back and um, being able to discuss it and trying to come up with some solutions. Getting local support for the initiative, so having project champions that are passionate about it, that are really engaged, they can help drive it but also having local project officers. Now these are people who are in the department and just helping them have offline time so they can help with the implementation and that's with the education, helping remind people. Having people on the ground as well helps you identify any problems that might arise, helping overcome them early. But they, are, they also know what goes on locally in each hospital. So every hospital is different, every hospital has different issues. And if you're trying to work outside of the sites, it's really difficult to be able to identify those issues. The nature of the change and be just being aware that sometimes relatively simple change can have significant gains on a big scale. As Sarah had mentioned, we have used an opt-in strategy. 
And I don't, you know, going to places and telling them you must do it and you must do it this way won't work. And interestingly, out of all the major hospitals that we went to, we only had one that opted not to implement the accelerated pathway. And really, really importantly is flexibility to local processes. For all of the, when Louise talks about it, she says, you know, we didn't have one accelerated pathway, we had 19. And while the risk assessment is the same and the outcomes are the same, getting to those points is different in every hospital. They have different ways they do things, so it's important to recognise that and make sure that that's incorporated into your pathway. And I think if you do this, it helps embed it into practice and business as usual, and that's what uh, can help it be sustainable in the future. So that's just really about the ACRE project. And um, as Sarah mentioned, we had blatantly um, put in a plug for our next thing. So I think uh, one of the things is the um, ACRE project team, and probably goes along the lines of where are they now? Approved <laughs> is around promoting value-based care in emergency departments. And it's really looking at taking things that have been done in isolation in specific hospitals or HHSs and, and providing a platform to lift them up out of the HHS silos and disseminate them across the state. Uh, we did this, this time last year. We called for things that had been implemented. They had to have proven outcomes. And we got a whole lot of applications which we shortlisted. And then we ran a pitch fest, which is a Shark Tank-like event, but we felt pitch fest sounded a little bit less scary. So they pitched their ideas to us, we had a panel and then we selected six initiatives that we've been working with over the last 12 months. And we've developed the resources for these and we've taken them around to almost the whole state now. I think we've got 17 hospitals so far. And again, we're doing the opt-in. So they're selecting which initiatives are in line with the priorities in their department and then we're working very closely with them to implement those. So we're just moving into round two. So we're just calling now for you're in an ED and you've got any great initiatives that you've been doing that you think could, be, could work in any ED across the state, please contact us and put in an application for our Pitch Fest 2020. So we've got some cards out at CQ, which you can go and get our contact information. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.